and a good measure of confidence, people who trust themselves and the universe and or whatever it is they believe in or, or their situation or tend to have more of an abundance mentality versus a scarcity one. That's often a, a way I check in with myself. If I start coming from a place of scarcity, I'm usually coming from a place of insecurity at the same time. Welcome to You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. You are ambitious in life and in your career, but something is missing. You want to bring more of your passion to what you do, because let's be honest, you pour a ton into your work and it needs to mean more. I'm your host, Laura Eigel. I'm a mom, wife, PhD, coach, advocate, introvert, and indoor rowing fanatic. I'm passionate about living a life that's in line with my values. We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference, and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. What gets you up in the morning? What drives your decisions? What do you stand for? No idea? Not even sure where to start? I use my values to guide my life and career. It's the basis of how I've built boundaries for myself and stuck to them. Are you ready to dig into what matters to you? Go to thecatchgroup.com to download your free values worksheet. That's thecatchgroup.com to download your free values worksheet to get to your core values and take action on what matters most. Welcome to this week's episode of the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. Today, our guest is Nicole Khalil, and we are talking about all things confidence. Nicole's passion for eliminating gender expectations and redefining women's work is both what keeps her up at night and what gets her up in the morning. Well, that and an abundant amount of coffee. An in-demand speaker, author of Validation is for Parking, leadership strategist, respected coach, and host of the This Is Women's Work podcast. Her stalker-like obsession with confidence sets her apart from the constant stream of experts telling us to be confident. She shares how you build it and gives actionable tools that you can implement immediately. A fugitive of the C-suite at a Fortune 100 company, she has coached hundreds of women in business, which has given her insight as to what structurally, systematically, and socially is and isn't serving both women and leaders within organizations. Maintaining some semblance of sanity in her different roles of wife, mother, and business owner successfully is an ongoing challenge. In whatever free time she has, she enjoys reading and wine guzzling, and is an avid cheese enthusiast, a hotel snob, and a reluctant Peloton rider. In my conversation with Nicole, we dug into all of my questions on confidence. You know how I like to ask questions, and today I did not hold back. We talked about the definition of confidence, what it is and what it isn't. We talked about the myths surrounding confidence, what we've been taught to believe it is, and Nicole's definition that is paired with actionable, tangible things you can do to build and keep confidence. Make sure you listen until the end to make sure you get every bit of wisdom from this conversation. 
and tangible tools that you can use in your confidence journey. Let's get started. Well, Nicole, I want to welcome you to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to to have our conversation. We are going to talk today all about confidence and I have just so many questions and I wrote so many notes (laughs) to prep for this conversation and I'm excited to get started. But before we kind of dig in, I wanted to first learn more about you. I know a little bit about you. I've listened to your podcast. I've been a guest on your podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so excited that you're here, but I'd love for you to tell us more about your story. Absolutely. Again, Laura, thank you for having me. It's my honor and pleasure to be here. You know, this is always a tough question for me, which is so silly because it's, it's, you know, question I should be prepared for, but it's sort of the, like, how much do you really want to (laughs) know? So I'll give you sort of the high level. And then of course, if you have any questions, you know, feel free. Anything is fair game. So my background, at least professionally is as an executive at a fortune 100 finance company, and it's a very male dominated field. And so very, very, very often I was the only or one of a few women in the room or at the table. And I was able to grow professionally pretty quickly. Um, and I had achieved a lot of successes, um, checked a lot of boxes, things that people would see as achievements. And I don't want to minimize any of that. But what I think is the most important part of my story as it relates to my mission to have more people connect to their confidence and and why I'm so passionate about the topic of confidence is because the bulk of my 20s and 30s, I looked the part of the successful, independent, confident woman on the rise, but the way it felt on the inside didn't match at all how it looked on the outside. The way we measure confidence and success in today's day and age I I could check those boxes. You know, I'd bought my second home by the time I was 30. I was racking up professional successes and promotions. And, you know, I had the big paycheck and I worked out like crazy and starved myself simultaneously. So again, externally, I looked pretty good. I had the nice clothes and the nice car and like the list goes on. And it was a no match for how I felt on the inside. I was living my life as a performance, uh, Oscar-worthy performance, where I hadn't ever thought to put myself in the leading role. I was constantly worried about what other people expected, the shoulds, the supposed tos, what it was, what I was supposed to look like and be like and act like and speak like as a woman. And so I kind of ended up turning myself inside out. I had an above average spending problem to go along with my above average income. I was lonely most of the time. I was on guard all of the time and I just was miserable. And and I think of a very specific moment where I got promoted to chief development officer, which I was the only woman in my company's over 150 year history to ever achieve that position at the time. And you know, we were all celebrating and somebody leaned over to me and, and said, I wish I had your confidence. And I felt like screaming, I wish I had the confidence you think I have. And it was at that point with all the imposter syndrome, and I didn't know that term at that point in time, 
Um, but I, I, that's what I was experiencing. And it was a pivot point. It was a turning point for me where I began to focus on actually building my confidence, discovering what confidence is, what it isn't, how you build it. Um, and realizing that I had gotten so many mixed and false messages about confidence. And all I knew was how to look confident and, and I didn't know how to become it. And so as is true for so many of us, this pain became a purpose for me. And what I learned for myself, I began to recognize that other people around me, especially women, um, were feeling a lot of the same feelings, dealing with a lot of the same things. And so it became this thing where I wanted to share what I was learning for me, what was helping me, what was supporting me, what was building my confidence with others in hopes that they might have that same experience of reconnecting, reaffirming, rebuilding their own internal confidence. So again, there's more to my story than that. <laughs> I'm married. I have a 10-year-old daughter. I try to you know, figure it all out just like everybody else. But um, that's, I think, maybe the most relevant as it relates to the topic of confidence. I love how much you shared there and I want to dig into all of it. So a couple <laughs> of questions as I heard your story just then, it seems like, oh my goodness, just so much of it I resonated with because I feel like I had a very similar experience, like on paper looked great, right? All the things. And I struggled with that as well. I also, I described myself as an introvert. And so sometimes some of that anxiety is even crippling. It feels like sometimes in some of these situations that I think back on, like I had the confidence one day and I didn't the next. And what is that? And what is that like? And so as you were talking, I was thinking about just all these questions that I had for you. So I'm just going to rattle a couple off and we'll just see what, what starts and where we go Let's from go. there. I'm in all the questions. Okay. All the questions. <laughs> I'm just going to run down a list of questions and then we'll see where we start. So are you born with it? Should we all have it? Um, why don't we feel like we have enough of it? Why? <laughs> Let me just start there. <laughs> are we born with it? Yes and no. Um, we are all born with the capacity and ability to be confident. I believe that firmly. In fact, I don't think that all the things that chip away at, destroy, and do damage to our confidence even exist when we're itty-bitty babies. So I do think we're born with it. But if we're born with it, we're all born with it. It's not some of us are born with more than others or, or anything like that. Can we all achieve it or all be confident 100% of the time? Yes, we can all achieve it. No, we, none of us can be confident 100% of the time. There is no person that is 100% confident in all aspects of their life all the time. Anybody who claims to be is either telling you what they think you want to hear or they're a narcissist and narcissism. And I'm, and I'm not trying to like make fun of it. It's, it's a mental health condition and it, it, therefore it's not based in reality. Nobody is hundred percent confident hundred percent of the time. That isn't even the goal. Confidence will only ever always be a journey and um, we're all on it. Having said that, we can all choose confidence anytime we want. Easier said than done. And we can talk a little bit about how to do that. But confidence is available and accessible to any of us. Some of us find it easier to choose confidence than others. And that's typically a function of practice. Some of us are practicing choosing confidence or have 
a lot of experiences of choosing confidence racked up over the course of their lives. And therefore it might be a little bit easier to access, but still available to all of us. Um, so I think those are your first two questions. And now I forgot the, th the third one. <laughs> Uh, well, and I guess it, it gets into my fourth one and you kind of talked about okay, this, great. so maybe we can go here. So why don't we feel like we have enough of it? And then why do some days I feel like I have all the confidence in the world and then other days, sometimes the next day, sometimes in the same day, <laughs> I feel like I don't have any. And, um, I have a couple of strategies that I use to kind of, I think you said is choose confidence, which I really like yep. and active, like. Um, an active thing that I can like step into. I really like that. It feels abundant where sometimes when you're lacking confidence, it doesn't feel like it, you're in a place of abundance. Um, but what, what do you think is um, this idea of sometimes we have it and sometimes we don't, and it can, it can just feel fleeting or like, we'll never get there. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, first again, I, we can all relate. 86% of people I've polled, and this is thousands of people up to this point, say they feel confident in one aspect of their life, but not in others. So this is pretty general, universal human condition. I think to sort of address the first part of, you know, wh why do most of us feel we don't have enough of it or it's not, you know, so easy to access? I think there are a lot of reasons, but the first is most of us don't even know what confidence is anymore. We're so confused, again, mixed and false messages, and we're taught and told in so many different ways and across so many different environments that confidence is something that it isn't. So let's start by talking about what confidence is. I went to the etymology, the root of the word. I looked how it translated in all sorts of different languages, and I just want to simplify it. Confidence is firm and bold trust in self. That's it. Confidence is when you trust yourself firmly and boldly. It is an internal thing and it is all wrapped up in trust, faith, self-belief, whatever you want to call it. But th that's fundamentally what we're talking about when we talk about confidence. Now, the messages we get say confidence is when we feel good. Confidence is the same as being attractive. Confidence is the same as having courage. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. And there there might be concentric circles, like one might feed the other or vice versa, but they are not the same. So this idea that anything that we could do to improve our physical appearance is going to give us confidence is mostly ridiculous. And unless it somehow helps you build trust in yourself, it's it's doing something else. It's not confidence. Now, you might go, well, it makes me feel more professional or it makes me feel more ready or prepared or it makes me feel more attractive. And, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of those things. I'm just saying it's not confidence. And how often we get the messages in advertising, social media, blah, blah, buy this product, use this thing, buy these shoes, wear this, th th then you'll feel confident. And we're running around doing these things and we feel good temporarily when we get the thing. And then the feeling wears off. We become addicted to the thing. We need more of the thing. And now we're chasing the thing and wondering why we don't have confidence and it's so fleeting and we don't have enough of it. And it's just because it's a, a false equation. It doesn't work. So this false equation looks like this. And you can fill X with anything you want. If X happens, then I will feel confident. 
X can be the promotion, a certain level of income. It can be a certain size or number on the scale. It can be perfectly behaved children. It can be having a certain house. It could be getting a certain amount of social media followers, compliments, valid, whatever. Fill in X with whatever you want. The formula never works. If X happens, then I'll feel confident because X is, or confidence is about trusting yourself. It's an internal thing. No one and nothing outside of you is walking around with your confidence. It's not some weird life's game of where is Waldo where we need to go looking for it and get somebody to give it to us. It's something that we build internally. So the formula that actually works is when we choose confidence, when we choose to trust ourselves, we have a higher probability of X, whatever X is. When we choose confidence, when we choose to trust ourselves, we have a higher probability of getting the things that we want. So that speaks to the why some of us feel like we don't have enough of it or or that it's fleeting. But I want to also address this. Most of us, confidence is sort of a, a fleeting thing, especially when we're faced with something that challenges our trust in ourselves, right? And so, you know, when everything's going well, when everything is going according to plan, when we're winning, when we're achieving, when we're racking up successes, it's actually a little easier to trust ourselves in those moments. And so what's really interesting, one of the biggest discoveries I found with confidence is it's built at its highest level and at its deepest level during our most challenging times. And that is counterintuitive for most of us. Most of us, when we hit our most challenging moments or face a big challenge or feel like we failed or made a mistake or blah, 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 we think confidence has left us, right? We don't feel it. And what I would submit to you is choosing to trust yourself. Even if that looks like, I don't know how this is all gonna play out, but I trust that it will work out. I I don't know why this is happening, but I trust that it's for a purpose. You know, there's so many opportunities we have to choose trust in those hard moments, but just that loving reminder that confidence isn't a feeling, it's a choice and it's a choice best made during the times when the feeling isn't there. And I think a lot of us wait around for the feeling, like I woke up today feeling confident or I didn't. Or I went into this opportunity feeling confident, or I didn't. Or I showed up for this podcast interview feeling confident, or I didn't. Doesn't really matter. Prior to hitting record, I'm choosing confidence. I'm choosing to trust. This conversation is one I'm meant to be having with someone I'm meant to be having it with in an environment and an opportunity that I, I, I'm meant to. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, I'm meant to be here and I'm choosing to trust myself. <laughs> does that make any sense? It does. I, I really like some of the myths that you that you laid out to that this idea of external all the things all the external you know just the idea of like dressing for the confidence that you want that whole that whole thing oh my goodness what a sales pitch we have been given huh yeah well again if you think about it it implies that in order for us to feel or be confident somebody needs to be observing us, right? Because would you really dress that way if nobody, and, and and so it just sort of puts this notion out there that confidence is something we experience through the lens or through the eyes or uh, opinions or experiences of other people. Now, some of that is good advice if you want to look confident. 
And let's be real in today's day and age, especially professionally, there are things we need to be mindful of in order to show up, look, be perceived as confident, you know, by potential clients or bosses or peers or people we're leading. So being mindful of those things are helpful because we live in the real world. I just want to make sure we make the distinction between what we do to look confident to other people is separate from what we do to actually be and become confident ourselves. Right. And those things may or may not work for you personally. Like if you have the opportunity to decide what to wear and that's helpful to you to do that, if that makes you feel better, if that makes you feel more prepared, like you said, that might be great, but it is helping you do just that. It's not helping you actually build and keep confidence. Correct. Yes. Okay. Okay. So this idea of choosing, I really like this idea of, of choosing yourself. That's really good. You're in choosing to step into self-trust. And I, and I, as I think about that, that question, like there are times when I have been very confident and there are times when I have not, I think it absolutely correlates with that. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's when I, um, when I know, I know the thing, or of course I know the thing, like, of course, very clear. I am confident in whatever that thing is. And I felt more confidence and I probably portrayed more confidence too. Um, so how, if we're trying to do this work, how do we consciously and intentionally step into and choose that? The all the other thing that I loved about your your um, formula is that it gives us more potential for the thing we want, but it doesn't guarantee the thing that we want. And it's another thing I yeah. love to talk about. <laughs> but no guarantees. <laughs> yeah. How do you um how do you step into that jer- your confidence journey to believe in and know that you have the thing that you need in that moment. Yeah. Okay. So I want to just take a step back from something for something you said earlier. And I just want to make the distinction between confidence and competence. I think sometimes those are those concentric circles we were talking Mm -hmm. about earlier, and we have a tendency to collapse the two. And I think one feels the other and the other feels back the, you know, but they're, they're not the same. Um, So you you mentioned like when you know that, you know, right. When you're Mm -hmm. doing something you've done before, you know, you're good at, you have the information, the knowledge is there, the experience, whatever it is, that's probably that competence that's fueling the, I can trust myself. Yeah, I've been here before. I know this right now. What if you start a new job or take a risk, do something you've never done before, get a promotion, do a role you've never done before, whatever it is. People often get confused and think, well, there's no opportunity for confidence here. And really what it is, is you're not competent yet. And by the way, you shouldn't be competent at something the first time you do it, or it wouldn't say very much about the thing you were doing if you had it all figured out the first time out or within one day. Confidence isn't, I know what I'm doing. Confidence in this situation might show up as, I trust that I'll figure it out as I go. I have enough evidence behind me that says, whenever I get a new opportunity, I rise to the challenge. Or whenever I am faced with something new, I have the tenacity to figure it out or I whatever it is that's true for you. But understanding that in most cases, it's confidence on the road to competence and Again, we have that opportunity to choose it. 
I also think like the, how do we get into practice of this? Um, something you said earlier made me think of this, just that loving reminder that we're often hardest on ourselves. So whatever it is that's going on, we're typically making up something that's a little bit more negative, a little bit harsher, a little, a little less productive or empowered than you know we would want it to be in that scenario. So how do we begin to choose confidence? Begin to practice talking to yourself, saying things to yourself, the same that you would anyone else you love. So when you're you know feeling like the confidence isn't there or you're looking at something and feeling like you don't have what it takes or whatever the scenario is, don't talk to yourself the way you normally do. Think, what would I say to my best friend, my partner, spouse, my child in this scenario? And then beginning to practice, because we, we do this so well for the other people in our lives. We do this so well for the people that we love. We gravitate more towards the positive or the opportunity or the the more productive or more empowered way to see that exact same situation. We just don't default to that ourselves. And so we have to practice retraining our brain to look at that same situation in a more productive, empowered way. And I'm not saying we lie to ourselves or, or, or that, you know, we're only ever cheerleading ourselves. It's just thinking like, first and foremost, we should be someone that we love. How do we communicate in this scenario? Like we're communicating with someone we love. Yeah. I love that advice so much. Again, another thing that I resonate because it's, I think it's very true. We're hardest on ourselves. I know that's the case for me. I often have to think is the way I'm thinking like this internal script that I have in my head, is that anything that I would ever say about anybody else? Absolutely not. <laughs> and so why- Can you imagine I'm... saying it out loud? Like, oh my, oh my God. Oh, <laughs> be horrified. <laughs> I, I mean, very horrified, horrified. Yeah. And now for me, it's about how do I, how do I uh, acknowledge that that's what I'm doing and that it is just a thought and that it's that I can change those. Yeah. There's a very simple formula I use for that. Um, and by the way, I call that voice inside of our own minds that says things about us that are never kind and very rarely true. I call that head trash because I want it to sound as dirty and disgusting as it actually is. And so when those thoughts start coming in, my sort of simple three-step process is name it, sort it, replace it. So name it. Let's call it what it is. This is head trash. How do I know? Because I literally wouldn't say this out loud to anyone I love. Um, head trash is the bully of confidence. And it's, again, it's it's different than your inner knowing or your intuition or even, you know, that laundry list of to-dos that runs through our brain. It's a different voice. So naming it is really important. So you know what it is that you're dealing with. It is not your inner knowing. It is not, you know... God. It is not, you know, a, a message. It, it's head trash. So let's call it what it is. Name it, sort it. It's basically decide what you want to do with it. Is this something that you should let go and, and, and never think of again? Is this something that can be recycled or used for some other purpose in some other way? Is this something you can compost that can be used for your own growth or de development? You are the decider of how you want to use it. So, you know, I give the example of I often got the feedback uh, younger that I was a little too loud and a little too opinionated and for a woman was the part that they didn't say. But that's the message that I heard. 
And so a lot of my head trash tended to fall in the being too loud, too opinionated. I need to hold myself back. I need to speak more quietly. I need to be more reserved, you know, use a lot of filler statements, things like that. And at some point when I decided to sort that, I decided to recycle and use it for some other purpose. And so I did what every loud and opinionated person does. I started my own podcast. (laughs) And so now that loud and opinionated is goes into a different category for me. It's in a different part of my mind. So name it, sort it, and then replace it. Replace it with something you would say to someone you love, something more productive, something more empowered that's just as true as whatever the other thing was that you were making up. I love it. Yeah. I I love a three, a good three-step method. (laughs) Me too. too. Uh, I wish I was like this inspirational, motivational person, but I'm more tactical in nature. So like if I were a superhero, I'd be tactical girl, which is not at all sexy, but that's just how I work. (laughs) I like the tactical. I I'm i I'm a fan. I'll be a a fan club member of tactical girl. Can I get the t-shirt please? Yes. I love it. Yeah, very good. My award-winning book, Values First, How Knowing Your Core Beliefs Can Get You the Life and Career You Want, is now available in audiobook. Since the book released just last year, the biggest question that I've gotten from readers is, is it available in audiobook? In this book, you'll get to hear my most pivotal career stories and some of the successes of my clients as you learn about the values first framework and how you can take action on your life and career. The audiobook is narrated by me. So if you love this podcast, you'll love the audiobook. Values first, how knowing your core beliefs can get you the life and career you want is now available on Audible and iTunes. Okay. So if we are able to start to build, do you find that in confident, how does it work in this idea of the confidence journey? I know I love that it's a journey, so I don't expect to change it overnight. Is it testing it out in new situations and new circumstances? Do we then extend it to other things? Is that generally how it, how it grows and we can keep it longer? Yeah. So great question. And the answer is yes, we practice our way into it. But no matter how much you practice and whether you choose to practice with something new or something you face day to day or in one aspect of your life versus another, that it's entirely up to you. And and it almost it's kind of like um, exercise movement. You know, everybody has their different way of doing it and and whatever works for them. And that's the same thing with building your confidence. You've got to find your way. But practice makes progress. Uh, perfectionism is the enemy of confidence. That, that will never happen. So we, we practice our way into it. And then again, let's just reiterate, there's no destination. There's none of us arrive to a point, plant our flag and are like, we're done. That's awesome. I'm confident from now on. I do this work on a, not only day by day, but hour by hour, minute by minute. I'm talking about confidence, researching confidence, coaching people on confidence, and still need to practice my way, choose confidence, choose to trust myself, 
realize I'm not trusting myself, realize perfectionism is at play, realize I'm in my head trash on a regular basis. You know, I feel like I, because I practice so much, I'm often able to get back to that place of trusting myself or choosing that more empowered interpretation faster than I used to. Yeah. It's not like it doesn't always go away, but you close the gap faster. So you're not in that space. You're not in the imposter syndrome as long or as much. And you have a method to go back to and rely on. I really like that. The In the moments I was just thinking through um, your answer on, you know, we all do it in our own way. So I, was, I wanted to share how I generally do it. And it's right. content that you and I talked about on your podcast when I was on it in terms of getting to your values, because I feel like that is a representation of what matters to me and who I am and what I care about. And so in instances, like you mentioned, like the new job or even then, not even the new job, the opportunity to apply for the new job, let's be super clear. Like this is not even in an interview. This is like, like, do I even, do I even, you know, put myself out there? Right. And in those moments, it's when I have grounded myself in my values. And I know that, Hey, I am a learner. I can figure things out. And that is my track record. Right. And so I ground myself in that self-trust of knowing that about me and loving that about myself. And hey, this is a new challenge and this is a new thing. And that's how I show up in those moments with confidence that more centered around what matters most and what is true of me. So I feel like you couldn't have teed me up any more perfectly for this Confidence is firm and bold trust in self, but I created a working definition because people often ask, well, like, what does that look like day to day? What does that mean? How do I know when I'm doing that? And for me, it's confidence is when you know who you are, own who and what you're not, and choose to embrace all of it. And so what you just said is perfect for that first part, knowing who you are, knowing who you are, what you value, what matters to you, what's important to you. And alongside of that, what doesn't, who you're not, what doesn't matter, what's not meant for you, who's not meant for you, all those things, I think is, it's almost like a siphoning down or a filtering so that you can become more and more you. But uh, you even said it perfectly, the exercise I take people through for the first part, knowing who you are, is uh, creating a list of things I know to be true about me at this point in my life. Things you know to be true about you at this point in your life, because we're growing and evolving people. And we're going to learn more about ourselves over time and experiences. But one of the things we often know about ourselves is what we value. And that is something that is important because it's something we can trust. Knowing who you are and what you're meant for and your purpose and all of that, and also letting go of what you're not meant for and who and what's not meant for you is a huge exercise in trust. And the deeper you get into that, the more powerful and more obvious, I think things become. And it's not ever easy to take a risk, but when you're coming from a place of, I trust this about myself, or I trust this experience, or I know this to be true, it takes some of the fear and some of the doubt down a notch, I think. Yeah. And I love even the bringing it down a notch. That is nice. I like that, like visual and like just that feeling of not, it's not as big, right? 
Yeah. And let me ask this question to you out of curiosity. Have you ever done anything important worth doing in your life where you haven't been scared? Mm, that's a really a good question. <laughs> I mean, I would genuinely ask if you, the listener, ask yourself that. For me, the answer is no. Even getting married, I was scared and nervous about, you know, are we doing the right thing? 90, 60% of relationships land in divorce. What if this, what, you know, whatever, starting my business, leaving, you know, this job to do another, getting a pro, I don't care, name it. Anything great I've ever done. I've also been afraid. I've been excited and been afraid. And I think we need to understand that fear isn't necessarily a bad thing. If you're a hundred percent afraid and 0% excited, then you should run. Yes. Really? Yes. Um, if you're, you know, 0% afraid and 100% excited, you're probably not actually doing anything all that exciting in the first place. Because if there's no fear, then it's usually that combination, a little bit of both or some you know balance of each is where I know I'm up to something big. I'm up to something worth doing. Yeah. I, I can think of you know, the biggest things that I have done in the last three years. And that is absolutely true. I left similar to you, like I left a big C-suite job, excited and scared. Mm -hmm. I launched a podcast, excited and scared, launched a book, excited and scared. All of those, all of them, all of them. (laughs) And some days just totally terrified. Yeah. And someday sometimes it's that pendulum swing, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that as a question um, and a litmus test of, are you in, in that space? And if you're not knowing that too, there are some things that I'm just not excited about and those things are not for me. And mm-hmm. that is okay because there's enough stuff in the world for everybody. No doubt. Whether that's work, clients, experiences, all, all of the things, again, trying to come from a place of abundance instead of scarcity and a good measure of confidence people who trust themselves and the universe and or whatever it is they believe in or uh, their situation or uh, tend to have more of an abundance mentality versus a scarcity one that's often a, a way i check in with myself if i start coming from a place of scarcity i'm usually coming from a place of insecurity at the same time and so how does that play out for you now? Is that a, a check back on, do you trust yourself and you get into those um, exercises again? Or what do you do in those moments? Yeah, I mean, it's in some cases, it's like, oh, I know what's going on here. I've done this before. Stop doing this, focus on that. And, you know, a quick, and then there are some times, so I, I released a book in October of last year. And it was the professional equivalent of birthing a child for me. It was just, I didn't know what I was doing half the time. I was exhausted. It was so important. I I wanted to do it right. You know, all of that pressure that I put on myself and I forgot and, and think about for a second, the irony of disconnecting from your confidence while launching a book about confidence. Yeah, <laughs> I just, yeah. then I was like, oh my God, I'm a fraud. People are going to find out, you know, all, all the stuff, all the noise started coming back in. And, and again, pendulum swings. There are some days where, you know, I, I dusted myself off, picked myself up, got back into action. Action builds confidence. 
Um, and then there are some days where I went through the motions. There are some days where I numbed out. There are some days where I w- cried in my bed. There are, you know, like all the the things. But it took me a few months to get back to, you know, that sort of center of that pendulum sw- swing because, you know, when under stress, when overwhelmed, we tend to default back to old tendencies. And my old tendencies are I'm a perfectionist and an overthinker. And perfectionism and overthinking are confidence derailers. They chip away at, destroy, do damage to confidence. And so, you know, it was going through some of these exercises. It was fighting and recognizing where I was, even though it wasn't where I wanted to be. And also just like the only thing that's missing for me right now is the benefit of hindsight. That's often what I tell myself during the really icky times or when things are really hard and I'm just struggling to connect to my confidence on a regular enough basis. I often tell myself the only thing that's missing right now is the benefit of hindsight. I don't yet know how or why or when this is all going to work for me, but I get to trust that it will because it always has. And and that's sometimes the only amount of trust I can find in, in a situation. Yeah. I really liked um, one of the things you said in that um, you know what your derailers are. Um, and then also knowing and having the self-awareness of knowing, okay, this is my usual thought pattern, or this is, this is what I usually do. And this is me doing it right now. And then connecting it back to, and we've always had okay outcomes at least, right? Mm-hmm. I'm still, I'm still here. Still here. <laughs> right? I'm still alive. I've somehow recovered from 100% of whatever has happened to me up to this point. If I can't trust that, 100% are pretty freaking good odds, right? So if I can't trust that, I don't know what I what else I could trust, especially in those moments where it's hard sometimes to find what to trust or to grab onto something that that really feels right or good in those moments. Yeah, and I feel like some of these things it's it's sometimes this idea of is anybody else going through this and sometimes we seek external and we ask this person or that person but the best advice and I love it is just to go back to the self trust. I just mm-hmm. um I don't know. I I'm in my head a lot and I think about lots of different things and you know do all that but then sometimes I find okay this external validation right is needed and that's also a, a really great plug for your book also. <laughs> right? The title <laughs> the title of it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So my book is Validation is for Parking, um, yeah. which is uh, meant to be a little snarky like me, but also to reinforce so much of what we look for when it comes to our confidence is external. And it's, it, you know, it, it's just not ever going to be out there. Yeah. So I think sometimes, again, watch for the pendulum swing too far one or the other direction. So like sometimes we go, well, if confidence is trusting myself, that I'm not going to listen to anyone else. And then, you know, those of us who are external validation affirmation junkies might go the extreme opposite and be like, well, I'm just going to do whatever that person says. Confidence is somewhere in the middle. Confidence is I'm curious about other people's thoughts and opinions. I haven't done this before. So I'd love to get the knowledge and and information from people who have done this ahead of me or from people I admire. 
it's taking all and then sifting through all the information and deciding for yourself. Yeah. Right. It's, It's okay. I've gathered a ton of information now from a place of checking in with me and trusting that I know how I'm meant to do this. And by the way, even if it doesn't work out, sometimes the lesson is in the failure. Sometimes the opportunity is in the redirect or the pivot. So I think sometimes, again, another myth is when we're confident, everything works out. That is not my experience. Confidence is is that journey. And so, yes, sometimes it will, sometimes it won't. And trusting yourself along the way that this is part of that journey and probably a necessary and important part. But, you know, really that sort of balancing of, I'm open, I'm curious, I'm taking in information, I'm I'm aware of best practices, I'm seeking guidance from people who've gone before me, and I trust myself and it's still my decision. Yeah, I love that. And I I also love the trusting uh if when you are doing that external and curiosity, it's the it's so important to the ask the people who have gone before you, not the people that you that you're close to, because they may not have ever done the thing. Right. And I think we do that a lot. We like ask our spouse or our BFF. And sometimes those people just know you and they're going to tell you what you want to hear. And that might be something that might not be the data that you need. And, um, I love that. Know who you're asking also. Yeah. And be mindful before you ask somebody, what is it that you need? What is it you're looking for? I see this, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and I see this a lot in that space where people will be like, well, my parents said, or my, you know, so-and-so said, and I'm like, okay, well, tell me about their entrepreneurship journey. Like, tell me about, well, oh no, 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 they're not. I'm like, so you're taking the advice and opinion of someone who's never been where you are, never done what you're doing, and never accomplished what you want to accomplish. I get that they love you, and I get that they care about you, and I get that their opinion matters to you. And if you're looking for business advice or entrepreneur advice or whatever, like think about what it is that you want and like also sometimes I want encouragement and support and somebody to listen and somebody to love on me. I know if that's what I need, I have a couple friends that I call, but I don't go to my husband with that because that's not his deal. His deal is if I need somebody to help me problem solve, if I need somebody to help me see it another way, if you know I've run into a brick wall and my brain isn't working anymore and I just need somebody to offer, knowing what you need and then going to the person that has the highest probability of giving you what you need is also an exercise in trust because ultimately what you're saying is my needs are valid and it is my responsibility to get my needs met. It's not my husband's responsibility. It's not my parents' responsibility. It's what is it that I need right now? Okay, who's most likely to give that to me? And and I go get it. And guess what? If they don't deliver, I go find it from somewhere else because it's my responsibility to acknowledge and and affirm my needs. And it is also my responsibility to get them met. Yeah. And you trust that you will do that. Yes. I love it. I love it so much. 
I feel like we could talk about confidence for another hour, but I know, um, we cannot. So <laughs> I could too <laughs> all day, every day. This yeah. is my happy um, place. So as we think about the next thing that we should do, what is an, a tangent? We're going back to, to tangible superhero, right? <laughs> what is the advice that we have to take tangible action to get the confidence that we want and need. Yeah. So there are, are many ways I could answer this, but probably the most universal is starting with that first part of confidence, which is knowing who you are. And I think because we've been so focused on what other people think of us or other people's expectations or shoulds or people pleasing or all the stuff that's going on, we've really become disconnected from ourselves not very many of us know ourselves at the level we should. I mean, we are in our bodies all day, every day, and yet most of us don't know ourselves deeply and intimately. And so that's the first step. There are lots of ways to do this, but I have an exercise that you can download for free on my website. If you go to NicoleKhalil.com and, and scroll down to the bottom, there's a freebies and it's just a things I know to be true about me at this point in my life. Get yourself in a room with, you know, 15, 30 minutes, an hour, if you can swing it, quiet moments and just ask yourself, what do I know to be true about me? And then write down with no judgment, whatever comes to mind. This could be your values. This could be your strengths, your skill sets, your superpowers, what you can count on, what you like, and, and just keep going and going. And then because we don't know ourselves all that well, go out and get feedback from people who know and love you. What do you know to be true about me? What are my superpowers? What do you like and appreciate about me? Now, just because somebody said it doesn't mean you need to agree or claim it or accept it or that it needs to go on your list. But pay attention to what people say and run it through your filter. Like, does this land true for me? Does this feel right? And if it does, add it to your list. If 10 people tell you the same thing, then it's probably something about yourself you haven't yet recognized. And there is an opportunity there. But go on you know, step number one for me would be to go on a journey of self-discovery, self-appreciation, and really honing in on what is it that I already trust about myself? What is it that I know to be true, that I can fall back on no matter what's going on, what choices or opportunities I have to make, or what fears I might be facing? I love it. Thank you so much um, for sharing your tangible actions and your thought leadership and your experience with us today. And we're going to put that and then all the ways to get in touch with you in our show notes as well, so that there's easy reference for everyone to be able to find you and Amazing. connect with you. Amazing. Thanks, Laura. Thank you so much. I want to thank you so much for listening to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. By leaving a review, you are helping others find this content. We will be featuring five-star reviews on air in upcoming episodes. Editing and support for the podcast is done by S&E Podcast Management. To get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values, go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care. Mm -hmm.